keep going. Welcome back to the Keep Going Podcast. I'm Steve Sisson, one of your co-hosts. Get ready for some heat in this episode, folks. Please be advised that there are portions of this episode where I go off on obscenity-laden tirades and passion-fueled laments, while Michael holds down the emotional fort to try to keep some semblance of balance and objectivity. Now, you'll have to determine whether or not he succeeds. But if he doesn't, don't blame him. It's all on me. We're releasing this episode on the day we recorded it, Thursday, September 28th, 2023, because I make some bold predictions that I want to be held accountable for, and because the hot takes are flying from all around the sport this week, and I wanted to add my two cents. Our subject is the incredible performance of Tisk Asefa at this past weekend's Berlin Marathon. Now, Berlin is reputed to be the fastest marathon in the world as it's hosted many world record performances. I think only London could even compare. And Asefa, an Ethiopian woman whose name I repeatedly mispronounced throughout this discussion, ran 2.11.53, a time that is simply jaw-dropping. And this in a year where women's distance running has produced an unprecedented number of world records. But I won't go there in this intro because we covered in depth in this episode. What does follow is part angry rant, part impassioned plea, where I beg distance fans to stop considering every unprecedented performance in track and field with a cynical and pessimistic take that it must be drugs or it must be doping. Sure, it might be, but it also might not be. And if this and other performances are not the result of performance-enhancing drugs, then we are endangering the relevance and the beauty of what I consider the greatest era in distance running history. I think there could even be a claim that this is the greatest era in all of human sports history. Bold? Perhaps. Ridiculous? Almost assuredly. But what the hell? I'm on fire here anyway, and what's a little more hyperbolic fuel to an already raging inferno? Strap in, folks, for the episode we call Drinking from a Poisoned Well, Doping as the Ruin of Running. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. Um, check this out. I think we've talked about the show before. It's uh, have have we talked about the bear? Oh yeah, we talked about it. Like I think for about ten minutes. On yeah. Episode. So <laughs> so this uh, Jeremy Allen White, our, our first celebrity sighting. Of a tray use. Check this out, man. Watch that. I don't know if you you can't really see it on the audio version, obviously. Oh, I, I saw but this. I saw is that this. cool? That's so cool. <laughs> oh man. So did you reach out to him? No, we haven't reached out, but he was seen running around Los Angeles in a pair of the daily trainers. I mean, yeah. and that's rad because he's perfect. I mean, I'm like, that's a sign from so the cool. endurance lords. Yes. In my opinion. And that it's that our first. I mean, he like, had to look those up. He's got to go find yeah. them. Yeah, like you're like you're not like. I mean, you are at REI, so maybe he went by and picked. He them up probably at REI. got him at REI. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see though. Whoever whoever sold those shoes. Well, he's an epic badass. At least in the Agreed. show, he is, and as an actor, he is. It's like that's that's pretty dope right there. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd follow up on that. Anyway, nice little. Nice little first celebrity sighting. Sorry so for the humble brag to, aside. You don't need but. to do the cut thing? You, you're, you're good with that, not having to do that? Oh, let's just make sure. Because actually, all you got to do is you just got to find the cut so we can do it right now. <laughs> what are we talking about today? <laughs> so it's actually not even important. No, it's, it's just, actually not important. You just got to you find that little audio wave and then you sync it up and, and life is good. And and back fits. But you don't have yep. to do it in the beginning. We're cutting wherever <laughs> we want to. We we're going to do the clapper sound wherever we want to do the clapper. It just shows how noob I am on anything video related or YouTube related. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's crack into it, Steve. Yeah, we've got a volatile, potential volatile one here. We, we Admittingly, I'm, I'm shaking in my boots because I don't know how to talk about this stuff because I'm a little bit timid and a little bit hands off. But here we go. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm diving in. And on this topic, I am not. And anybody that has followed me over the years, I think they know this about me. But we're going to talk about, um, initially, we were gonna, I wanted to really talk about the last result that we just, the race results that we saw on the women's side at the Berlin Marathon. 
um, from, I can't say her first name, Tissi Asefa, who basically ran 2.11.54 at the Berlin Marathon. And the response of the general running public or those people, let's say the, the let's run crowd, and I do know that in some way, shape, or form, I'm in because I go there on a pretty daily basis. That in some sense, I'm kind of conditioned to that that cultural construct. But it's also filtering out into other areas of my running life, where this main, a lot of people are saying this must be a doped result, and therefore we have to really question the the reasonableness of this kind of performance. And it got me really hot under the collar. I got real mad. So you're saying, to be clear, there was the inquiry from people that we should be questioning this result. The first and primary response of the communities that I'm in is that this is a doped result. Gotcha. And that we cannot take pride and pleasure in the human species' ability to run this fast on the women's level. Merely revel in the victory. Correct. Yes. Instead, we have to qualify, caveat, and all those reasons make me sick to my stomach and make me angry. Mm. Really, really angry. So if I do raise my decibel levels, if I do get animated, I and, it, and it's triggering to you, turn this episode off and move on because I'm sure I'm going to get hot. But I promised my Telos group I would do a hot take on this topic, and I just decided to do more homework over the last couple of days, and so I haven't put that out. And so I just tossed to you today. Potentially we could talk about this because it's something near and dear to my heart. I think it could be have some crossover with our um, triath- the folks who are interested in the triathlon world because I do know doping is also a aspect that needs to be considered. And is it different in triathlon world and the running world? Because in the running world, from the 100 meters all the way up to the marathon at the Olympic level, our sport is poisoned the enjoyment of the general public, not even fan base, but the general public, is that track and field is filled with performance-enhancing drugs, and it's all ridiculous. In a way that I think cycling is as well. Though somehow cycling seems to be able to rise above it or work with it in a way that distance running especially, but even sprinting hasn't been able to. Mm. And I'm scared for our sport. I'm scared for its long-term interest and this is a cultural construct thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast is like how do we get more people to get excited about running and get out the door and get after it we do it because we've got these models these icons these incredible practitioners at the highest level and in the distance running world those who are sort of um, really immersed in it the super fans it seems to be to me reading the tea leaves 75 to 80 percent of that public basically assumes that everybody's doping and to me, that's a real problem. I don't understand it because I'm in the. Sp- I've been in the sport since 1976. I've been paying really close attention since 78 or 80. And you know, we went through the, the blood doping years. We went into the um, um, sort of recreational drugging early years, and then we went into the late 80s, where basically from cycling into distance running came through the Italian connection, came all the EPO, and then the other drugs that have gone on from there. Um, and so it's like this is now always been a part of the culture as I've been paying attention to it. But it seems to, maybe I'm my sensitivity is really high, but it seems that more and more people are suspect of the epic and iconic performances that are getting thrown down right now because they think it's doping. Mm. And I just want to address it. And that's what this episode's about. Me trying to help people maybe step some people who are already in that 75% camp of already 100% convinced or thinking that everybody's doping. I want to give them some good reasons why this and other results may not be doping. Also, a sort of what I would call a mindset recalibration away from assuming the negative instead of assuming going to the positive. And then finally, maybe a cross-cultural triathlon running sort of interface here about what is, are this, is this problem I think it might also? go beyond even just triathlon and running and cycling I think it I think it has to do with with the way people are processing information these days and the way that information seems to spread and but, the volatility of certain aspects of certain types of informations have a little bit better 
uh, reach. So I hear you, but I've got a case in point. Yeah. There's not a single person out there following NFL. I follow NFL. There's not a single person out there following NFL who doesn't think that these guys are doping at some level. But we don't talk about it. Mm. I mean, do you actually think that they're not getting all the all the benefits and but things that might I be g- illegal? Are they getting tested to the level that Sifan uh, Hassan is? I mean, Sifan Hassan is getting tested every week to two weeks. They're pulling urine out of her body. She's peeing into a cup, or they're doing blood doping. They're not doing that to our football players. They're giving them the space. Now it's a different sport where teams have cultures and the and the aid and there's a lot of money in it. But we don't worry about this in a sport that I guarantee you has have way more illegal activity, performance enhancing activity, not illegal. I don't really care about the legality of it. That's a different topic. Yeah. The performance enhancement and the uh, and the fans enjoyment of an activity based on performance enhancement. This is the main topic. So this also can bring in shoes and the discussion because one of my cases in point here is, hey, we need to realize that everybody's seeing this huge change that's been happening across the board, a lot of this is happening because of shoe technology as well. That that's a part of why we are seeing these performances and then anybody that's not taking that in under under consideration is not recognizing um, the fact. So anyway, I don't know where we wanna go from here, but what I wanted to say is it's not apples to apples. It does seem to be that distance running and cycling, cycling for good reason because our the main icon of American cycling, cycling lied and lied and lied about his doping. But isn't it interesting? Most people don't even care that he doped. They just cared that he lied. Mm. But in, it's different in distance running. This is what I'm saying. It's different in our sport because of Ben It's not even distance running. It's, it's diff- track and field. It, the, the, I call the, it the Ben Johnson effect. Ben Johnson got busted for, for, for testosterone or whatever it was that he got busted for in 1988. He had those eyes that were red and roomy mm-hmm. and it gave this great picture and the media jumped on it. And from then on, our sport has been contaminated by this doping view. And what I'm asking our fan base to do is step back from it, get some clarity, get some understanding and say, I still can be a fan of the sport because what we're doing, what we're seeing is fucking incredible. And mm. don't take it away from this Ethiopian woman what she did and how she did it and to not do that is stealing more than money out of her pocket it's stealing the life out of her the life out of the sport the life out of the fan who's actually doing the sport we can lift her up and let me give you some reasons and if she gets busted for doping then we will reassess that on a case-by-case basis but we should not throw the baby out with the bathwater. and I don't understand why so many people are into it I don't understand why there's entire sub subcategories of people who are fans of the sport who are trying to push for clean sport. Like, is it ever going to be clean? Does it need to be clean? Do we care about it being clean? Look at the NFL. Do we care about it being clean? What does it matter? Do we do need, I used to say everybody should just dope. Fuck it. Let's just let it go. I don't say that anymore. You know what's changed? I have a kid. So mm-hmm. I also think that smoking pot is not so bad and doing psychedelics isn't so bad. You know, I don't think anybody got tattoos on me. Yep, pretty, pretty much people know that I feel that way about life. But I don't want my seven-year-old smoking dope and taking psychedelics. So there is a reason that we would not want that to be. We shouldn't just say it's okay for everybody just to do it. No, I, I step back because I now recognize, hey, that's not a wise choice for our culture. So I do think we should have protocols in place and they should be strict and they should be consistent. But we should also have Everyone should have access to them. We should all see what's going on with WADA, with the World Anti-Doping Society. Anyway, we're getting far afield. Let's let's pull this back in to a basic place of um, where we're going with the episode. <laughs> now, no, I dig it. No, I'm, th- this is the the reason that I'm I'm letting you go is because this you're going to be driving this one, and because sure. because you got to understand from my perspective when I when I see the results of the Berlin Marathon, I get excited. I get so happy. And I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. Like 211 and change. Like this fascinating, you know, to me. And then seeing Kipchoge, you know, snag that victory. Like in just in all of his grandeur and his like the way he does it, just the practitioner of the art, you know, it's just so I did not even think that it didn't cross my mind that anybody was compromised because I was thinking more about the sport. 
but when you but but I do understand that um, that there are so many things at play here, and it my personal sentiment, I feel like the conversation is a little bit like standing on a bed of ice, and and the reason I say that is because I'm afraid to even take a stance because. Because I have so many different sentiments and I don't just want to be in the middle saying like everybody's a little bit right and all this stuff like because I'm usually kind of but with this one it's not as it's not as easy for me to to understand because for for various reasons Um, let me let me try and articulate this is one of my favorite athletes of all time favorite athletes you know the greatest underdog that ever lived in the sport of triathlon, Lionel Sanders. Mm-hmm. He's fascinating. I've been following him since before my first race. We're roughly the same age, mm-hmm. and he just blows my mind. Like the raw emotion, the power of the way that he puts everything out there. And after um, Colin Chartier was caught for doping. He did this video and he cried and cried. Uh, uh, Lionel Sanders, he just went out and he was like, we are basically, to sum it up and not his words, but like we're out here dedicating our lives to a sport that we, (laughs) every day. And it is like it, for us to, to think that we're competing against the best of the best in a clean sport, but then to realize that it's not clean is heartbreaking because there was money on the line. There was a podium on the line. There was the, what could have been on the line. And psychologically speaking, I'm putting myself in his shoes and I'm going, this guy who puts everything out there, I get goosebumps thinking about it. And, and he puts everything on the table. And then all of a sudden it's kind of robbed from him. What could have been how many other people are doping. So like the psychological effect is one thing. And I think that there's more common ground than anything else in both polarities. So I think looking at the conversation, you could, you could kind of, you could, you could, you could ask yourself, well, in that case, should I be standing purely for like a clean sport initiative? Or should we just be talking about the glory of the sport and stop talking about doping? Okay. So you have these two options. The interesting thing is, is that 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 it's really hard to take one of those purely for me because do you kind of you get my like but this is what we've been this is what this is what the narrative has been played out for us and I don't accept the narrative it's not a question of clean sport it's not a question of anybody doing whatever they want. Mm-hmm. It's a question of we expect there to be a clean sport. We support clean sport initiatives. But we don't. But if you've got that in place, you have to trust that it's working. And then if you want to put anger somewhere, sure, put it towards the doping agencies, the protocols and the processes. For example, in the United States, every athlete, if you, you listen to Kara Goucher and um, Des Linden's podcast, they will talk about, they have a whole episode on the number of times I've gotten tested. Mm-hmm. There's no question. If you perform in the top 50 in your sport and you're in the United States, you're getting tested all the time because USADA, the U.S. anti-doping agency is very, very vigilant and very, very careful and they want to try to create a clean sport. One of the problems that happens in our sport is that in Ethiopia and Kenya, that hasn't been the case. And over the last five years, three to five years, they have been very vigilant in Kenya to actually do testing, and they've had a lot more positive tests. Sure, okay. Because they've been more consistent and more focused on that approach. So what we should not say is that every Kenyan marathoner that's ever run has been doping. What we should say is, yeah, there was not quite the great protocols that we had in the past, and maybe you can circle a few athletes, which the last, prior to, Ilya Kipchoge, the last two world records were questionable. Dennis Kometo and the other guy, they just, they just, they're, they're, 
I see why people think that maybe those performances were doped. Mm -hmm. Not because of their performance, but because they were one-off or two-offs, they didn't have any continuity, consistency, and there was problems. So there's all these other protocols that people are looking at to try to tell if somebody's doping or not. But ultimately, we have to trust that the doping agencies are going to be doing their job. And if once we trust the doping agencies are doing their job, then we need to step away from sitting in the camp where everyone is doing that. It's a little bit so, outside the circle of influence at that point. So it's my like, argument to all the clean, you know, clean sport initiative people, um, I honor and respect your position, and I agree with you. Whereas in the past, I didn't. Before, I thought you're just chasing up a, you're just running up a tree that we can't do anything about. Doping is happening. It's happening. But I do see why it's important to have those protocols sure. in place and to work really yeah. hard to put them. But once you put them in place, you have to step the fuck away and let them do their job. And or then, that's what I'm saying. Or else it becomes a little bit outside the scope of what is. It's like love or hate correct you, you know so then it's like if you're suspicious nothing is nothing is ever we're in a not building like the that. culture around correct a loving sentiment of the sport or the zeitgeist we're like trust. we're building around suspicion which i say outside the circle of influence like what we can influence is you know is is things that we know to be so this true by, which is spectacular performances like so we this, see it it's there it's done what's outside of that is the suspicion where like it's the doubt and that's where kind of hate or, 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 or like distrust poisoning or, the well exactly saying, so it kind of like well. it sits outside of it so we're either gonna so what we have to do with this Ferris performance here in my opinion mm -hmm. is we need to keep doubling down on better protesting protocols going on in Ethiopia because whatever's been going on in Kenya has not been going on as consistently. And this is an argument that I heard made um, by Jonathan Galt at, from Let's Run. He's the best, in my opinion, he's the best uh, current uh, track and field news journalist. He's incredible. Okay. Um, and he basically has been asking the U USADA WADA to actually create a pool where every fan, every it's public record of the number of times each athlete has been tested and what those testing protocols were. These are already happening in such a way to be able to hold up legally in a court of law when something happens. So if somebody gets busted for doping, that person can't say, oh, your testing protocols are wrong or no, there's no, but they just get banned, right? So there's a law around that. So if there's a law around that, we know that there's these processes of procedures for testing and why is that not made public to the general public if that's available then we can all say look as Farah was tested this time this time this time and this time you tell me after she just ran 215 last year at this same race that she hasn't been tested multiple times i guarantee you she's been tested multiple times but we have no way to show the general public that she has been tested that's that many fascinating times. to me so if she so we don't have a way to validate and we should even like and the impair like the things that we know to be true they're not necessarily readily available it's, to the public. Is and, that that's, what and that to me is a question. So that's a conspiracy to is me. Is that like a, a part of, would you say, I mean, is that a part of some, what's it, what's it called? Like the medical thing where it, you, there is HIPAA, the HIPAA. Yeah. HIPAA. And that's the argument they made is not every country has that. And what I would say is then, then that country is not allowed to be in the pool for world records anymore. And they will all come to the table. Fuck that. Like, this is this is how it works. I'm not saying global government. I'm just saying if you're going to compete at the water and you're going to get the money from these big races, then you have to subject yourself. Because this is entertainment, by the way. It's not fucking human rights. Mm -hmm. It's entertainment. It's money. You have to pay to play. You have to pay your taxes in each government, in each place. We're not saying, oh, you can't get the money because you're from Ethiopia. We give them the money. We don't know what they're going to do with their taxes. Fuck that. No. You must abide by the rules and the regulations or you don't get the money. And guess what? Boop, 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 boop. It'll happen real quick. So that's bullshit. It's not about HIPAA because the United States are doing, we're doing it in the United States. If anybody's protecting the human right, the human rights, believe me, that shit's all over because there's law all over it and the legal ramifications are great. So just hold those places accountable. That's what's happening with Ethiopia and that's why it's poisoning the well. It could be that Asfera's performance is doped. Okay, it could be. We always have to hold that in play. But what we need is processes and procedures in place that say that we can take that off the table. And if we can have that in the next two, to, if we could have that before 2024 and the Paris Olympics, we could reframe these conversations. We could push it out to the general public and say, hey, we've got this cleaned up. And when people get busted, they will be held accountable. And we then need to hold them accountable at a higher level. We need to determine what it is. I, agree, I think personally, 
if you that there should be so where's the disconnect here this is where this is where I don't understand the disconnect is like what you're saying sounds extremely logical testing sounds extremely logical being aware of a very beautiful Public clean records. sport sounds it all sounds very logical to me so where is the disconnect between the conversation between those who are the kind of let's just call the negative kind of st- I don't even want to say it because the the, the 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 skeptics out there who believe that that everybody is doping and the well is poisoned versus the the kind of the uh, Fuck it. Let's let it all be. Yeah, yeah. Just, just let, let it, it let be. it go because yeah. we've all heard those conversations. Let's just see what happens. Like, let it go wide open. Right. And it's like, okay, well, where is the bridge? Like, because there, why, why can't we bridge the conversation? So if, I think this is where shoe companies have to step up. This is where coach athletes cannot be held purely responsible for the for the dope for the positive test. What we need to do is we need to hold the coach responsible for the positive test and the shoe company who's paying for who's their paying? performance. And if they, they don't have to pay, maybe they pay a partial penalty and then we hold them under scrutiny. Nike, why did your athlete, so this case, Asfera, this brand new shoe, we haven't even gotten to the shoe stuff yet because mm. this shoe is crazy off the chain what's going on with this shoe yeah i mean it's a special shoe yeah for it's sure a, it's, it's a game-changing shoe oh yeah so they're and, all sold out so and that's a reason you're interested in getting one and anyway that's a reason why i think that this conversation needs to be happening because it's not just doping that got her this performance there's some other pieces of the puzzle here too which i would like to talk about in a second but your question is a great one which is why is this not happening because there's not being because the shoe company has no Stakeholders. Let's, no, so, the so we're saying there are stakeholders. Like this yes. could be a billionaire who loves athletes and just wants to sponsor them, whether it be a shoe company or a billionaire if or something. Dope, like you have to pay. You somebody have to pay has to be there. It's it's like in in a business sense, you have to have somebody to guarantee the lease. We should have their name or the, the line who, of credit and or it whatever be on your doping on your doping passport. It should say your athlete who's liable for the prize money. Who your like coach is. Who your who your sponsor is, who your coach is, who your agent is, because that's where a lot of this is happening. So that's not happening at all. I don't know. I think you have to put the pieces together. To yeah. me, it should just be in one clean place with a database. It says, "Hey, this is this this athlete, Asfera. She's Businesses coached by this coach. It. She's got this agent, that's and this is her shoe company. Yeah. And all of those parties are going to be responsible for her fantastic result. Yeah. But why are they not pay? Why do they not pay out the ass when there's a test it when there's a problem with it with them so if somebody a coach has multiple dope you know what's interesting about this this is where there's there's opinions that form and emotions that form because i when oh, i'm I, when not I, emotional I, no you're not a very very even keel today so this this guy um this 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 colin chartier guy right so he he came up hot and Banned, you know, Hot. that's the thing. He, he's gone, he's, I think he's riding a bike in like South America right now. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Good. So, yeah, he's just kind of, he's like, all right, I'm out, I'm bowing out, I'm going to take the penalty, and I'm not coming back for respect for the sport. But then people were like, but what about the stuff that you won in the past? Like, what about the fact that you were in Dallas like last year and won all that prize money? Like, what about that? And it was like, well, I was clean then. I was I was this then. It's like that. That's what's interesting. No, is, that, that needs to be part of it too. And you have your race results. These are these things are already on. Wa- but that's on what I'm saying. There's athletics. that's where where those types of. Um, this is where you have to give the money back. You there might be some exploratory. Yeah, and I think that that's all those things seem to me to be eminently doable and and simple. And so what I'm just arguing, we spend a good bit of time in this, but I do think it's good for the everyday listener to understand what's going on there. What I say is if we get that up, we have a lot less conversation about this because people can track it. And then instead of just saying, this girl's doping, we can say, look at all these protocols and I've got some reasons. I have, I have some. It actually I might be some, a logical way to set it up too, which is like, you know, if I'm thinking, I'm not even thinking in sport, I'm thinking about like, penalizing something it's like well you know 
within the past five years, like 80% needs to be, you know, or like yeah, 90, yeah. like if it's, if it was five out. to 10 years ago, like there's probably some really smart folks out there that kind of seen this done in like kind of a, a muse industry of somewhere else. And kind of like, yeah, I wonder if F1's doing stuff like this. Like, I'm curious, like how it all plays out. Because I doubt it because why would they even talk about doping? Because see, that's the problem with our sport is because our sport is so physical and there's physical and mental pieces that are going into play. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah, even cycling is different because there's a bike involved even triathlon is different because there's a bike involved sure so anyway let's let's move let's just say we need better hmm. doping protocols and we need a clean efficient and and open access way to figure out what's going on with that but let's talk about this performance from a couple other perspectives let's talk about it um from the perspective of let's just go down the shoe route real sure. quick yeah so this you're per- talking about the adidas adios uh, Adidas 80-0 Adios Evo 1. Pro is in there somewhere, isn't Pro it? Pro 1. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they've got that name for it. But anyway, th- let's just call it Adidas' $500 shoe. Because yeah. that's what it costs, and it's single-use. I've folks. tried not to talk about it's it because I know that that's what they wanted. They, it's a um, single-use. I have yes. refrained from from talking about it at all because I'm like, oh, they're, they're geniuses over there because they just wanted people but to But now talk we need it. to talk about it because it's going, it is a part of this conversation sure. about where we got to 11 because sure. this is the first shoe that we've seen. This first this like time this year. Her, her shoe was probably in the four ounce range. Like a men's nine is probably like four, I think it was like 4.8, 4.9. It's like, and which, very light. Just for comparison's sake, it's nearly half the weight of other shoes. Yeah. I mean, shit. That's like, over the course once of you get to that point, point yeah, yeah, exactly. Take the Bowerman algorithm and, and, and apply it, which is and anybody yeah. and anybody. I'm old school, so I've run in um, the lightest weight racing flats possible to run a marathon in. And when you get to 30k, your quads are so burnt and cooked, yeah. and because there's no cushioning in them, you get pure energy return, but you get beat up so much. Yeah. So on top of this, you have super high volume. It's like yeah. really big. It's they low maxed weight. it out. They maxed it out. They got to the very tip of that. So all of that world special, athletics is. 40 millimeters in the hill. So they've got that guaranteed yeah. and they've got the whatever the their 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 the constituent parts their their proprietary special foam that they've got working mm. is doing a lot of the work that is that the that the leg when you see a person if you every marathoner has gone back and looked at their race photos on race day, right? And if you get yourself landing on the ground in a certain way, you will see your quad have your like all the skin falling down off your body and the striations and like your leg looks really weird. That's the kind of pounding that's going on on your leg because of the ground contact and no give with the pavement. Mm-hmm. This shoe is providing all that give and energy return. So we like, we really don't know. Okay. And then on top of that, just saying that shoe is special. There's a lot of reasons why this shoe, this, some of this performance, we might've seen a two to 4% greater improvement just from the shoe could potentially be. And mm-hmm. if you run those numbers out, that's a sizable number in a two hour and 11 sure. minute race. Yeah. So we've got some of that there on top and of it. got the power of the brand behind her testing yes. the shoes. But and, let's talk yeah. about this other part about these shoes, which is something a lot of people aren't talking about that I think Ross Tucker talks about a lot. He's the guy who's the sort of sport science of sport. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. in this world. He's he's like, we also need to talk about super adapters. There are people who the shoes don't really work that well for based on their biomechanics and other people who the shoe, work, shoe works really well for. This is one of my audience when these shoes first came out with Nike is that they were being designed on the foot of Ilya Kipchoge. So the, there's actually the a be- part of this, the rule set. You can't necessarily tailor it to an athlete, mm-hmm. but the way that you but say at- that it's not tailored is it can't be a one-off. It, you have to offer it in public sure. for sale. Sure. And so that that's, uh, to me, that's in probably essence, why you, they sold 500 of them. Then you circle the yeah. athlete that you want to pay attention yeah, exactly. to, and you optimize for that <laughs> athlete, and you only get more benefit. Yeah. And if it doesn't help yeah. the other person, they think that they suck, so then they're more likely to buy your next shoe. So I could see a lot of arguments for why that would yeah, certainly sure. be baked sure. into the model if mm-hmm. you're going to get conspiracy and nefarious about the capitalistic models, which I tend to do sometimes. But no. regardless, there is this other piece that that shoe might benefit that one person, even the same athlete, a, a, a similar athlete who just has a like thinking about the the biomechanics of Helen O'Beary and the biomechanics of Sifan Hassan, mm-hmm. they're they're incredibly different, but they're both almost the same speed. And we're going to watch them race in two weeks at Chicago Marathon. We're going to see what happens. Different think, rocker profile could could alter them in different ways. All, uh, like and, the, and the, the way, toe and spring and, and the way and their biomechanics yeah. work and all that stuff. That's yeah, a big for factor sure. in it. So mm-hmm. that's another piece of why this performance might have been. Le- been clean 
Okay. Now let's talk about a sociological aspect. Oh, you're saying, you're saying that's cool. So to just relay hey, what you're saying, if I'm understanding correctly, we should be like, hey, that's pretty cool. Championing the, the we, we've already let technology into the sport. So yeah. We might as well champion it. Yeah, for let's sure. Let's not do what we did. It's with, possible. What swimming did. It's po- you're saying it's possible Likely. that, that an athlete the- could be doping, but it's also possible Correct. that they have found a way in through the technology and the rules and everything like that. And why perfect. Not? Yeah, yeah. Why, why not? not? Yeah. Why not? Um, on top of that, so one of the arguments about mm-hmm. this particular athlete's doping is that her first, so she, in 2016, she was an 800 meter runner. Okay. She ran 159 in 2016. So just to give you the number on that, somebody recently said to me, one of my athletes was like, yeah, but that's not even that fast. In 2016, it was really fast. Mm -hmm. In 2016, that would have put her at 159. She would have been in the top 40 to 50 in the world. Okay. I don't have those numbers out in front of me. So somebody might be, I might be off by 10 people or something like that. But to me, it's smoking fast. She was really good. 159 is no joke. 159 is no joke on in the women's 800. And so then she moved up to the marathon. When she moved up to the marathon, one of the arguments around her is that when she moved up, she jumped from the 800 to the marathon. And her first marathon was a 234. That was her first marathon. Still pretty fast, but certainly. Then her next marathon that she ran um, was 2.15, which a lot of people thought was her debut because they couldn't find the first race because it was a pretty low-key event. Mm -hmm. So she ran 2.15. So a lot of people were saying this athlete ran a 2.15 debut. And then they were like, doping, 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 doping immediately because come on. And I'm like, she was a 159, 800-meter runner. If I took a 159, 800-meter boy... And I stretched them up. Potentially, am I going to get him to run two eleven? No, I'm not going to get him to run two eleven. I'm not. Okay, because he's got he's got heavy bones and he can't run very well, and he's it's not going to translate. But one fifty nine is still really fast. Maybe she was in the wrong event. Mm-hmm. Likely she was in the wrong event. Look at how high high adapter. <laughs> if you have a really amazing so engine just drawing, that's yeah. in the wrong event, yeah. and then you put, mm-hmm. this is what happened to Kipchoge. Think about Kipchoge. Nobody questions this. Kipchoge was the world champion, the silver medalist or the bronze medalist in the five thousand in two thousand two, two thousand three, somewhere. 19, I don't remember the early two thousands, late nineties, yeah, early two sure. thousands. Then he took a break. Took a break. Got away from it. Came back. First. Marathon, pretty solid. Second marathon, best marathoner in the world. Soon be world record holder. Now icon of the sport. He was not as good a 5K runner. He was just so big an engine, so disproportionately good at what he did that when he moved it up, also again, remember the marathon, we wait, so many people wait to get to the marathon until too late. We're now seeing that in the women's sports. This is another factor. Women are doing it differently than men are doing it. Men are waiting so they get old and decrepit before they move into a sport that requires the greatest resiliency, the greatest tensile strength, the greatest tensegrity of the entire system, and they're waiting till they're 33 to go do it? Fucking, why aren't they doing it 18, 19, <laughs> 20, when they're at their prime? This is a problem with American distance running. Move them in after college. Move them in during college. I would argue even that. Like, play with it. What we're seeing with women, with Sifan Hassan, wins, bought, wins, um, London comes back and is one one trip away from winning the gold medal in the 10,000, second or third in the 5,000, and top three or four in the 1,500 at the World Championships. And she's going to run, and she's going to run Chicago next week. Like, come on. Like, we can do this. The human species doesn't need to fall into these old categories. And the women are breaking all the categories. They're blasting them down. They're saying, we can do everything all the time. We can do this whenever we want to. Watch us. We can do it. And I think this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. So let's not get mad at some girl who was a great 800-meter runner, pretty solid, great 800-meter. I mean, 159 is really good. It's Yes, it doesn't equal to I like I like this thought that maybe she was in the wrong Maybe she was in the wrong event. <laughs> and then her progression is actually pretty good. Yeah. She ran 234. It was coming out of the out of the pandemic. You know, with yeah. the, the pandemic years, we really need to give everybody a wash there. There were so many different challenges going on. Okay, yeah, maybe there was doping going on. Could be, very much could be. But there all could be really difficulty getting to training locations. I know that this is true with Ethiopia. It was really hard for people to get on a bus out to the training locations when the buses were not running because they were because everything was shut down. So she didn't get racing opportunities. She didn't have training opportunities. And she, they knew, her coach said, 234, we're actually really happy with that, but she's not really ready for it. Wait for her next race. And her next race, she won Berlin in 215. 
And people are like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't think that's anomalous. I think that makes sense. And, and we've got all the shoe ch technology that's actually changing in the training. Um, we've also got another thing. Let me talk about sociology of the sport of distance running in Africa. The men have been at this level since the mid 80s. They've had all of these opportunities. The women culturally didn't have these opportunities. Number one, there wasn't as much money in the sport. Number two, their culture did not allow them to move out of child rearing and homemaking and all the things that were essential because those men were off running in races and the women were actually doing all the farming, doing all the ranching, taking care of all the animals, doing all the butchering, doing all the child rearing, doing all the things because the man could go out and make $5,000 at a road race and that would pay for their family to do mm. everything. So it got pushed out to the women. Eventually now we're at an era where the women, because of late 90s, early aughts, we saw African women performing at a really high level. It was the Ethiopian and the Kenyans first because Kenya was a more open society. Remember, Kenya was, is English, right? I mean, they were a, they were a, they were a, a colony of England, and Ethiopia has always been smaller. It's always been l less financially viable. So there were always going to be more pressures on the, the 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 people doing the actual work. So we now see Ethiopians. I think you're going to see more and more Ethiopians killing it. And we should actually argue that there's a sociological reason for this, because there's an opportunities now available that were not available to them before, mm -hmm. and a hunger. Think about that as a young woman to be on the frontier. This is the new frontier. These are the, the, the mountain men of their culture. They're going to go do something no one has ever done before. They're gonna go make more money than anybody else can make by doing something physically with their body that they're really good at. And then now there's a structure behind them to give them those opportunities. Like that's huge. Yeah, and we massive. should expect that. That's been going on in Ethiopia for, I mean, in Kenya for a while, but that's happening in Ethiopia. That's it why it takes you're a seeing, long time for this. It does. You know, They're cultural Culturally for yes. things like that to even develop. That's a huge point. I didn't make that point, by the way. That's a point made by Robert Johnson with uh, Let's Run. I, yeah. I heard about that one. That one yeah. was really big deal. I think you it's can't a big take play. the socio aspects out of we can't even we don't even recognize them a lot of times and they're really there they're because real things 90 percent of our conversation today in my mind revolves around the kind of uh sociology in general and you, you know but I'm, i don't want to go back to part one when we're talking about like kind of poisoning the well but i mean just take a look at kind of our society and the way that we're so clickbait happy and like you know i mean I come on if we want to make it in the world these days you can't put something out there without there being like just pure clickbait nonsense fucking bullshit to kind of like rope people in and then you're gonna then they're gonna attrit like after a sure. few minutes like long form content you know you need you need a dumpster fire to get people even into the door now so it's like i think a lot of it has to do with this this social so, uh, socio kind cultural. of cultural yeah. need to kind of be heard and it's like polarizing is better like even like if you read anything on on the underdog it's like you you got to be polarizing to even if a lot of people don't hate you, then, then so a lot of people don't love you. It's just like, oh my God. So let's bookmark that. I'm going to come back to that before the end of this conversation. Sure, about, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bookmark it. Yeah, as it's optimism I didn't want to go back pessimism. in it, but because like this is a really good flow right now in terms of. Yeah, let's come back to that because it's optimism versus pessimism, and we can put a pin in that and come back to it. Sure. Let me finish a couple of other places. I think that it really is impactful for this woman's performance and why we. Okay. And, and, and yeah. it's not just this woman's performance. I'm arguing for all incredible performances. So. In 2000, uh, 1982, 83, we had a jump of almost three minutes in the marathon. So there's, I'm going to make an argument for leaps happening in women's sports that haven't happened in men's sports. It's like the banister effect. And women get, and women get pigeonholed and placed in this category of scrutiny yeah. that's frankly sexist and um, doesn't recognize the absolute beauty of performance. And so what I'm going to argue is that women have, in the sport of marathon, we've seen a more general progression where as the progression happens, there's these big leaps. We have Joan Benoit 
then then becomes Samuelson. She has this leap of two, two and a half, almost three minutes. Then we have another one that happens, um, and, and then there's a little bit of improvement that proved. But but the women are breaking the record by minute at a time, typically, whereas yeah, the men yeah. are breaking it by 30 seconds. Sure. It's like a little or smaller increment. For sure. And mm -hmm. there's reasons for that, you know, because I think the men were already functioning at a pretty high level, and so it takes longer, and they're already, you know, you've got the statistical analysis. I'm not a statistician, so some of the stuff I'll be talking about in a second. I'm not really absolutely certain of the statistical analysis, but I guarantee you if I, if you gave me, if you want to give me a thousand dollars to write a paper about it, I'll find somebody to do the statistics for me if this is of any interest. But I think there's going to be really, really good statistical analysis to say that the progression that we're seeing from women is catching up, historically catching up to the opportunity that's been available, as we talked about the last thing about the sociocultural opportunities that are now available. Because the top of the funnel of opportunity 100%. is widening. Correct. And so we're seeing these leaps and these jumps because we've got better athletes showing up. More encouragement. More you know, it's more things. So there was another, and, right. There was another big jump that happened um, in the early aughts and that was when um, Paula Radcliffe mm -hmm. broke, she broke a record by I think about a, a minute from 219, mid 219 to 218. And then very quick after that, she broke the record and went down to 215. And there are still people to this day who are absolutely convinced that she dubbed. I don't think she dubbed. I don't think she did. And I think that those people who are still holding on to Paula Radcliffe, you people need to check yourself. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about optimism and pessimism in just a second. You need to check yourself. So if that's where your well got poisoned, I'm not going to give you full reasons why Paula Radcliffe didn't dope, but I'll just say to you, it is more than a 50-50% that she did. And there are people who think it's 90% chance she doped. That's a problem with our sport because there's a this a performance, an outlier performance that because of the era, the early aughts, when we started really thinking everybody was doping, a lot of this came from Lance Armstrong's lying. Not mm. his doping, Lance Armstrong's lying. So the well gets poisoned by Lance Armstrong's lying and everybody thinks everybody's doping. And now all the Gen Xers who are pessimists <laughs> can then just state, oh, it's all doping because I can then be lazy about my thinking, lazy about my, my, my details, my arguments. I think Paula Radcliffe changed the sport for women and she was as important as Joan Benoit was before her. These critical, Greta Vites, Joan Benoit, and Ingrid Christensen are heroes of the sport, but then Paula Radcliffe alone by herself out there did this big leap that everybody had to reckon with. It took a very long time, almost 10 years to break that record. Like the outlier aspect of that was so great. And yet the time, this next leap is similar in scope. So if there's anybody that thought Paula Radcliffe was clean, but they think that this is that this is unclean. This is not clean. I'm saying your 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 logic is faulty. There's a good reason for why we're seeing this. It's it's normal progression for women to have big leaps until we get to around 210. We're about at the place where we're probably not going to see minute chunks coming off. We're going to see some limits, or we're going to have to recalibrate what it means to be a woman in the sport, and we're going to have to recognize, hey, we need to do some real research and some real scientific study on what makes women so much better at the marathon than men are um, because we're seeing now women at the world level beating the best American. This has but, been happening for years too. It is. So this is again, why do we, <laughs> why are we constantly talking yeah. about this doping? Yeah. Why are we so obsessed with it being doping in my small community, in the community? Stop. Because there's, there's so many other factors that are plugging into the performance attributes that are correct. not doping. It's there like these, good, there are some really special things happening. She could still be doping. <laughs> yeah. But it still wouldn't change any of my arguments. Yeah, if she does sure, get busted sure. for doping, I don't think, I guarantee All you're doing is setting the clock back maybe one marathon and going, me, uh, yeah. Not even that. Are you ready? Okay. I think the world record will be broken in Chicago if there's good weather. I think we might see a 210. Okay. Helen O'Beary. Um, you've got three athletes running in this race. You've got Helen O'Beary, Hisifan Hassan, and I'm forgetting the name of the Kenyan who basically won Chicago last year. Oh, that's a third part. That's another thing I wanted to say. So any of those three women, I think, are going to compete against each other, and I think you're going to see a world record. I think you're going to see that's another badass, world record. Yeah. So if that happens, then and people are talking doping, and this episode has come out, then I just want to say I called it, Okay. I think there's going to be a world record again, or it'll be very close to it. It'll at least be 212, 211, 212. It will break the former world record. Whether they get as fair as performance, I don't know. Is it safe to say that 
we're on track to get a. a we're definitely getting. Yeah. <laughs> so because now that the standard is set, yes, you know they're gunning for it. So there's another one. This one will be interesting to people who are training. This is related. where it's going to be fascinating. This training. is fun. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there's something about training too. Women now are doing something, that, and they've been doing it now for about four to five years. It's mm -hmm. a relatively new thing where women are going out faster. They're going out faster through the first half. And you can look at statistically. More and more of them going out fast. When more and more women go out fast, other women will do it. And some of those women will not be capable of holding the pace, but some of them will. And because there was somebody intrepid enough, this is what I'm talking about, that frontier mentality, intrepid enough to go off the chart, to go into uncharted territory, to break the threshold and to push into a different era, into a different place, to get into the pain cave necessary early enough, more and more will do it and some of them will be better at doing it. And because right, we're right. seeing and that's that what, happening. That's the evolution of performance is where you have people kind of pioneering. Correct. And they're going out they're going out fast, fast as fuck. And women are going out fast as fuck. And now and, they're bouncing now they're backing it up with another And they're but but before there was maybe a little bit of timidness where correct. it's like, all right, the standard the isn't is let's that's just the banister effect. That exactly. You were about. So and and now you're gonna be seeing people going for broke. You're gonna be seeing the idea that we're just going to fall apart at the last mile because we, we spent everything. So I, I think that's what There's makes it really excited. Here. There's yeah. a mindset here. A, a systems change. Like a mindset and change. This, this is 150% cultural. Cult and cool as shit. Yeah, I, like, I agree. Like, like that's an attitude it's, and approach that says, that's, that's let's a, see where the limit exactly. is. If let's we can empirically look in, at the data, like you're saying, and we're seeing these times, like we're seeing people go off the front much faster then that is that that's all we need to know and it's going to get and then you're going to i guarantee you you're going to see that because this is this is where we saw this in the wave light technology because what's going on on the track is now they're doing wave lights and the performances now are getting much much better at non-championship races where the wave light is in play why because there's a monitor out there keeping everything consistent enough so that then the real fireworks can show up whenever they show up sure right um and that's privileging the speed that's the just, aspect of performance yeah. the fast aspect but it's actually hurting in some cases the drama of the race which is why the wave lights are not allowed at the olympic games or the world championships because we want to keep that element of uncertainty because it, it changes the way people it changes do everything. everything it but, changes how they're even training and thinking about the so races in these and races setting. these women have somebody getting them yeah. through the halfway beyond the halfway at these paces they've got men pacers men yeah. pacers that's another thing we can't do that on the men's side there's no way you can do that on the men's side you'd have to put it you'd have to put a robot out there which why not that's the next the next technological jump, in my opinion, is going to be nutrition. And then the one after that will be actual literal robots out in front as greyhounds, like as, as rabbits for greyhounds. Or a self-driving Tesla. Or something like that. <laughs> but it needs to be small enough to not be able to give you a performance enhancement from a windbreak. So it right. needs to be small enough yeah. to be able to be a light or something that's going yeah, on. Yeah, like a little thing. Yeah, that, like a little thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, yeah I can and, see that. And then everybody just groups around it and we'll see. And I we're mean, saying we're, they're deviating from the highest level of the standard right now. Because they're deviating. The and then we see where people are kind of leaning into the risk. We're going to see the data set. We're going to see these, these, these data constellate around these kinds of performances. What did you and, say last week? In, in in our recording, it was you know understanding the the data streams and and working with them. Yes. Well, we can do that from even a a, a a cohort analysis of athletes. We can we can that that's cool. Like that but, that to me is yes, really cool. But the human spirit is anomaly. Yeah. So the thing we love about sport, and this is what the my pioneer this, aspect. This bring back to this argument. To bringing saying, a sword to this race. Don't keep poisoning the well yeah. or you will lose the magic and i'm arguing our sport is so beautiful the highest when you talk about so the sport beautiful. that way like you just did in the past five minutes mm -hmm. there's a different emotion in the room than yes. talking about it from the other perspective Correct. one of them seems i'm trying to preserve that my anger i is wish saying, people could like yes. could feel the energy because it's fun to watch you Light up. Go ape shit and be like, no, fuck I'll get this. angry. Yeah. And then it's fun to be like, oh, but it's so beautiful because I'm feeling, I'm like, it is beautiful. That's, to me, that's, I usually am anchoring on, oh shit, that's beautiful because like sometimes I'm bagger than a, or just, just dumb as shit. And like, I don't come from a background of like studying yeah. like all the stuff. And it's like, so I'm a fan. And so I'm kind of like a, 
just uh, I want to preserve your fandom. Right, right. It, and what, give you something to get excited about. So let's yeah. move. Let's clear off the table all the shit. Yeah. Some of this is shit. Asfera could be dopey. We don't need yes. a, yeah. But, but, but she could also be real and watch it next sure. week. You're going to have to say, now you're going to have to say everybody's doping. And that's what's happened is that because one person was doping, now everybody must be doping. Let me tell you people who aren't doping, American marathoners, because they fucking suck. <laughs> Fucking step up. Like, I'm sick yeah. of it. I'm sick and tired. Why is our There's best performance? Two o uh, Alberto Salazar runs 208 in 1981. Sure. And we can't do better? What do you think's going on there? Uh, it's another topic for another day. But let's finish this up because I want to go to this. I think this we've other... talked about this off the record before with me yes. you and John. That'll yes, be a fun we, one. Yes, we can do that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that one thing we want to just circle here and come back to is this human anom the anomaly and the anom the what what Viktor Frankl called um, man's search for meaning. Man's search for meaning is to take the worst, the suffering, the pain, the challenge, the difficulty, all these things are the beauty of the marathon. I say the marathon always wins because it's so hard. You're reaching the absolute edge of what's physiologically possible for this organism at this moment. And at this level, with the women and the men, at this performance level, we're seeing absolute and incredible beauty. Now, I think we have an opportunity in this time with the guidance of Ilya Kipchoge because he is the master, Yoda, mm. the philosoph, the philosopher, the he's saying, no human is limited. All I want to do is to get create a running, get all of the humans on the earth running. That's what I, when I think about him, that's what I think about now. And I just say we've got this moment. Yeah, we've got this moment. Can we be optimistic? Yes, there should be reasons for pessimism and skepticism, but skepticism is not the same as pessimism. Pessimism says everything's fucked, and I'm saying it's not fucked unless you think it's fucked. And if you think it's fucked, it's fucked, and I'm going to say, fuck you, because I'm not going there. I refuse to go there. I'm going to be a fan forever. If Esfera's performance is doped and she gets busted for doping, I will not be a fan of her. If Ilya Kipchoge gets busted for doping, I will not be a fan of him. I will be a fan of what he did for the sport, but then I know that much of what he's preached and pushed will then create more and more window. I hope he doesn't get busted. I hope he's clean. But ultimately, I'm not going to operate from the place of assuming he's doping. Okay, let's just go back to American jurisprudence. We assume, in this country at least, People are innocent until they're proven guilty. And I think we've got enough features here to say we're getting better and better at proving the people who are guilty that they're guilty. Okay? And I think we can do better about that. We ought to do better about that. Let's step up our game. But let's just assume now that we're going to operate in a space of innocent until proven guilty. And then let's just roll. We can't do it on a political level. Maybe we can do it in sport where there's so much beauty and there is conversation should be had to bridge all, all the polarities I don't want to go into politics but it's fucked mm -hmm. and we cannot we cannot find endpoints on any single conversation and this one it's safe to assume Do that you know, there are endpoints and we can talk about this in a very healthy way we can explore we have, it in a very healthy way we can be very yes. I, I, that's what's cool I think that's the evolution of of the conversation, I'm going to be thrilled to see it. I don't know. That That's kind of, that's my take. Like coming into the conversation, I was like, oh shit, man, it's going to be tough for me. Straight up. It's no, going to be tough for me. You've rolled. And, <laughs> and, but, but nevertheless, my takeaway is that it's just like everything, man. Like it's about communication. It's about this is a problem with our sport. It's, it's, Michael, it's a big problem with our sport. We, this is why I'm arguing for this point, because I think our sport has something to teach. I don't understand why the 100 meters that's is the not opportunity. shown it, on, on, why do we not watch, why is track and field not being pushed or shown on TV at the level that it needs to be? Because everybody gets it. I don't have to know what a slant cut is or what a, what a, what a, what a, what a, what a West Coast offenses or how to do a hook shot or what the rules and the regulations are to the sport like curling or whatever else like you got to know all this shit distance running and sprinting is really simple all the whole sport of track and field is simple throw jump or run faster than everybody else end of story this is like 
field day at elementary school. Like everybody has it deep. And I think it's actually baked even deeper evolutionarily, right? At a deep, deep level. Like, so what I'm arguing is this is the primal sport. And it's, if it's not on TV, it's because people have poisoned the well. And I don't see how we're ever going to take our sport to the next level and get it to be the game changer that it can be if we don't clean up our own act. Yes, we need to clean up some of the protocols and processes. I agree. Mm -hmm. But we also then need to step back and say, let's be optimistic about our sport. Let's assume that someone is clean until we find out they're not. And let's trust the powers that be to tell us when they're not. And then let's hold those accountable. If you really want to make it good, this key point is hold the real perpetrators of unfairness liable. This is what's going on with politics. The reason why politics is so fucked up, Michael, is because the perpetrators are not being held accountable. They don't get held accountable. The whole person holding the bag is the everyday average person. Mm -hmm. The person getting busted for doping is usually not the highest place person. So we need to clean all that questioning up. We need to figure all that out and get it clean so that people can say that person doped and that person didn't dope. And eventually, if you do that this, well enough, there's so much. There's in there no too. need to dope. Eventually, there could be a position where I think is going on in cycling or like the sport has now changed enough. I don't even know if they need to dope in sport in cycling anymore because they've got the science down so well it's, that yeah, the doping's yeah. not actually really gonna help that much because what doping is really doing is placebo. So if the training is already creating that, then what do you need? Like, and you don't see anomalous performances in cycling anymore. The whole pack is riding that fast. This if year's Tour de winner, France was very, very, it was beautiful. Yes, because it was, doping has been moved out of the conversation. It, it and it, it it just it seemed a little it's it's humanized, but yes. it's optimized at the same time. And they're going it's like faster really, than ever. And oh, it was it was a good it was a good year. Yes, it was a good and, year for the tour. I, I'm France. telling you right now, it was the greatest year of track and field we've ever seen. This year was mm -hmm. the greatest year of track and field we've ever seen. In the distances alone, let's talk about it. We had Jakob Ingebrigtsen break the 2K world record and the fifth and the two mile world record. Mm -hmm. The two mile world record was considered to be the greatest greatest, the most difficult, the most physically difficult world record on the books. And he control. destroyed it. Mm -hmm. We had a woman named Faith Kipyagon break the world record in the mile, the 15 and the 5k in the same year. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We've watched now on the women's side, we've seen Sifan Hassan, Latensa Gaudet, um, Helen O'Beary, and um, a variety of other people who are coming into marathon season, I think you're gonna see Chicago, epic performances if we get decent weather. And I think you're gonna see at Valencia, which is the pinnacle race now, mark my words, over the next 10 years, the world record course will no longer be London and Berlin. Eventually it's gonna be Valencia because they're supporting it so much. That's where we're gonna see incredible performances. And mark my words, if the world record is not broken at Chicago, and I'm saying it might, if it, it might be broken, I, I would actually put money on it being broken because of the talent pool there. Sure. And the break. What, what, and what, also, exactly. What they know what's did. on the line. What Farrah yeah. just did, and they're going to have it paced right. Chance, chance favors the prepared mind. Fair they're going go. out. They're prepared to, to run these paces, and they know that chance might favor that. Now, that it course is, is a little bit... Now, course isn't challenging. That, plate, that location is challenging because the weather is iffy. Yeah. But, it Valencia, is, but Valencia in early October, early, early December, it is perfect mm -hmm. and i think you're going to see more and more people go there the world record will be broken there if it's not broken here or they will be or it will create more of a constellation of data points that show that this is not anomalous this is par for the course this is the way these things happen and we don't need to say it's doping we don't need to keep drinking out of a poisoned well i'm turning away i've been doing it for a long time but now i'm turning away and saying i'm not drinking out of that well anymore and anybody that is i'm not talking to you about it if you think it's doping related, I will only talk about doping with people who have doped. I am not assuming or even guessing that somebody doped. I'm going to assume it's clean and then we'll, the protocols will show up and they will get busted or they don't get busted. Is it safe to assume that you will also talk about the protocols of doping though? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yes, it's like, course. that's not off the table. We should always it's, have that on table. Right. If we have that more on the table, then we don't even have to talk about doping You almost anymore. use more bandwidth to talk about the things that you can influence. Correct. And yeah. if you can influence it, all you're doing is stewing in your own juice. And you're a fan. Yeah. Like you're not even doing anything about it. Like you can't, at least I, I have a lot of respect for those clean sport initiative people. I gave them a lot of shit for a long time. It's like, you're never going to clean it up. But then I began to realize 
when I heard Jonathan talk about, hey, we need the protocols put in a public domain space where we all know exactly what's happening, and I'm like, bingo, this is how you hold things accountable. This is the problem in American politics is that we don't, who's, who is, who's lobbying for who? Why do we have, the lobbyists, you need to have the exact amount of money that they provided to that politician for what reason and then any anomaly we need to find it we need people in place that are actually going to go after them if they're not doing it for those reasons and then if they aren't then we know that they're doing something bad it's really bad and we need to take them to court and we need to figure out what's going on because if we don't if we're going to be a law-abiding society we have to have the laws and laws need to have teeth but those laws to have teeth just to repeat we need the athlete to be held responsible the coach to be held responsible, the agent to be held responsible, and most importantly, the company sponsoring them to be held accountable. All of them. I'm not saying they're all held at the same level of accountability. Because they're benefiting up the chain. More benefiting up the chain. I In would, fact, the yeah. coach benefits more than That'll the That'll be a athlete. conversation. We could we could even man, well, you know. Yeah. Let's I'm I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna talk about why somebody would be led to right. that because that's a universe and we know that, that we the can, athlete would be because a lot of times they're not really knowledgeable of what's going on they're not cognizant of what's happening they're being told to do x y and z they're being fed in a certain way they've a been lot in a program agents. for 15 years and they've they've right. don't quite know the morality of what's going on like you, you never right. know like right. there's so much here like yes. that you can yes that you but can I think break we covered, off i think we did I think justice. it was fascinating. I think I, we did this justice. I know you were a little hesitant to go into no, it. No, I'm always think, hesitant to go because I, I'm I'm kind of, I never want to, I'm not much of a rock the boat guy. It's one mm-hmm. of the things that, to my detriment, like, you know, I, I value all kinds of different, I'm more, I'm more the objective kind of correspondent than, than anything. And it's one of my, like I said, it's one of my downfalls, you know, <laughs> but, but at the same, because I have opinions. Right. I'm just scared to say them because I don't always love to just go so far of because I just like to be damn sure. Well, you're not uh, operating you know. with as much historical, exactly, and physiological. I have I'm not data, the expert. I mean, I have the, a lot of. I am an expert in this area. Not exactly, only was I yeah. not only have I followed the sport for forever, but I participated. And I'm learning in it from you. And, and this is a true. It, so. the, the, the the essence behind this is a footwear designer and a coach but fuck it it's a it's a guy who's been in the sport for a long time that has wisdom and loves it and and me who's a diehard enthusiast and i've been in it for what 10 years Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. it's like yeah it's that's that's where the magic happens but i feel like if people like myself don't step out here and call you know don't call an apple an apple right like you gotta we, stand for something man. i do think so and it, it makes me sad i just was at a practice on tuesday so re- the reason this whole thing came up was i was at practice on tuesday and i heard my athletes talking about 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 this performance being not above board and it made me angry but it made me so sad mm-hmm. and i just don't want that for them i don't want them to be in a sport that they can't truly embrace the beauty and the magic of the sport I think it is beautiful. I think it's magical. And I just want everybody to get a chance to see and to believe that these performances could potentially be truly legitimate. And then when we have the situation where somebody is not, we can we can make sure people pay for that. And then we can keep, we can have a clean well that we all can drink out of and all enjoy. And that's my goal. That's my hope. That was what I hope to have accomplished in this. And hopefully if anybody feels like I missed some things or they want to make arguments back, I'd love to hear them. Um, just post at the bottom of this on the inst- on the YouTube thing or send me an email at Sisson at Telos Running either way. And um, yeah, it was fun, Michael. I appreciate you. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm always learning something. This was a great conversation for me. Thank and you so much. we dipped right under the one hour and eight minute barrier. I think so. <laughs> Little recording light still on. <laughs> Shit, Steve. We did I it. I feel good about it, man. Good. <laughs> Godspeed, y'all. Godspeed. Oh, man.